0: Tuesday, August 21st. Welcome to Market Foolry. I'm Chris Helen joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Inside Value, Joe Maker. Gentlemen, good to see you. Yo, hello there. Well, a lot of earnings today. We got earnings from Barnes Noble, Urban Outfitters, and Best Buy. I guess that's not a lot of earnings, but we've got earnings. We've got earnings <laughs> across news. the board. Uh, let's start with Best Buy. Shares hit a nine-year low this morning after the company's latest earnings came in way below expectations. Joe, the company also suspended share buyback for the year, as well as guidance. I think it's fair to say we were expecting bad, and this was bad. We got even (laughs) worse.
1: Yeah, well, there were terrible results, and we had low expectations, but they're even lower than our low expectations. Uh, Same-store sales were down yet again. The company said that they maintained market share, which another way of thinking of that is that the market at large for their category is shrinking. Uh, Online sales were up 14%, which sounds good, until you consider that overall U.S. retail online e-commerce was up 15% last quarter. Amazon is in the neighborhood of triple that in their category. So, all in all, very <laughs> dreary results uh, with no, you know, positive-looking guidance. Uh, margins were down. Not not much positives here. And and to be honest, the terrible thing is that what they are selling well are like smartphones, tablets, and e-readers, but those are the devices that are ultimately undermining their model, and they're just kind of fostering that. So, there's no silver lining
0: here. Jason, what do you think? Because one of the numbers I saw was that their footprint uh, in terms of their physical retail space has shrunk 4% over the last year. That number seems like it really should be a lot bigger. Yeah, they, that, really, they should be getting smaller
2: faster, shouldn't they? That's what struck me was four percent doesn't even seem like they're they're hitting the tip of the iceberg here because we really need to see their footprint shrink by essentially half to, to have a viable business model going forward. I mean, I think it's it's worth. Uh, Investors need to know at this point that, uh, I mean, in my opinion at least, Best Buy is turned into a full fledged special situation, and you better tread carefully here because there are. I mean, when a company suspends its own share of buybacks, you, they don't see any value in the stock at this point. It's like $16. We know there are bigger problems at hand here, and I think what we're watching is essentially just another one of the, the big, iconic, big box American names that we know is just fading into oblivion. Yeah,
1: I mean, in retail, you compete on price, selection, and quality, and these guys can't handle on either of those things or any one of them. I mean, I was just looking online just now and Amazon carries six times the number of televisions that Best Buy does. So if I'm going to buy a TV, A, Amazon's probably cheaper. B, they have 6x the selection. Why would I possibly choose to shop with BestBuy.com? And instead, what I'd probably do is go look at this. You know, TV at a Best Buy, and then buy it on my phone. Yeah, I mean, I know we Amazon. we pump Amazon a lot here, and there's a lot of reasons why we
2: do that. I mean, it's, it's a pretty phenomenal company. But I, you know, I had someone ask me at one point in regard to making those big ticket purchases, like a big flat screen TV. They asked me, "Did you really? What I really want to buy a five thousand dollar TV sight unseen off of Amazon and have it shipped my, to my house?" And I thought, are you serious? I mean, yes, that's the dream, and it means I don't have to go get it. And if there's a problem, they're going to take it right back. And so, when you, when you present it that way, I just don't see any real way, way Best Buy can get themselves out of this corner.
0: And in addition to everything else that's going on with the numbers of this company, we now have this unfolding drama behind the scenes. We talked yesterday about uh, the new CEO, Hubert Jolie. And uh, Richard Scholes, the founder of the company who's trying to take them pri- private, one quote that I saw uh, that he had today was that value is eroding every day. <laughs> so here you've got the founder of the company who wants to take them private. On the one hand, he's trying to make his case. But on the other hand, part of his case is to essentially say to everyone and anyone, The current path that does not involve me taking the company private is going to kill this business. I think he's he's right. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, honestly,
1: the only thing propping up the share price, anything at all today, I mean, it's still down a little bit, but is that there is a prospect of a takeout, although it's seemingly you know that much more unlikely now that a new CEO has been brought on.
0: Let's move to another big box and that's Barnes and Noble. Uh, Barnes and Noble's first quarter loss was a loss Jason, but it was a narrower loss and the numbers are looking pretty good thanks in no small part to 50 shades of gray, which is <laughs> getting a lot of credit in the media sales of the uh, the trilogy there uh, helping to pump Barnes and Noble's results this quarter.
2: Yeah, I mean I can't say that I've read the book or the series, but I mean the Saturday Night Live skits are just slaying me. They're great. So apparently there's something to it and I thought it was very interesting to see that the bookstores were actually what was propping up the performances quarter. You know, I think for all the ragging that we do on Barnes and Noble, because we do rag on the company plenty, um, they are not insignificant in the digital book market. You know, they hold about 27 percent market share, next you know, to, to first place Amazon. So there is room for another player in this market, and I think that's why we saw that that investment uh, by Microsoft. The question is really because when you look at these numbers in digital sales, with the Nook, the Nook content sales were up forty six percent, but essentially. Uh, was that off of a small comp, though? Well, it, it it was off of a small comp, but also if you look at the Nook segment in general, not just the digital content, but the Nook segment in, in total, it was relatively flat. So what that tells us is that they weren't selling any more Nook devices. They're just selling the content. And really, that's fine. I mean, the content's what's higher margin. And let's be frank here. I mean, they can't compete with Amazon, Google, uh, Apple on the device. I mean, the Nook device just is not... The same. It's not on the same level as, as those devices. So they really are going to have to focus on number one, selling the content for devices. Uh, and, and whether the Nook, you know, fades away into obscurity, who knows? Uh, you know, the other the other thing they're going to have, I think, that is, that is something the market wants in certain places is the bookstore. Uh, just not that many of them. And so if they can if they can continue to prop up sales in the bookstores, certainly Fifty Shades of Gray didn't hurt. Uh, continue to sell. Content and focus on again becoming a smaller operation, leaner. Uh, you know, I think they have a chance to, to keep a small space in this market, but they're not going to be any kind of a real leader, I don't think.
0: Uh, Joe, they did say that they are going to be coming out with a new version of the Nook in time for the holidays, so maybe that helps them in the quarters to come. But what do you think when you look at this company?
1: Well, I love that they. <laughs> you know, and comparing them to Best Buy. <laughs> Again, they've done a fantastic job at Barnes & Noble of trying to bridge the gap to the, you know, where the new technology is headed. And I think doing a nice job of that. And I was really surprised when they said that foot traffic was up this quarter and it's first time in years that they've been able to say that. Uh, that's fantastic. And part of that, you can probably chalk that up to Nook sales. I don't think that's long-term sustainable. Uh, but I think that if they can get the nook in as many people's hands as possible, both through Barnes & Noble and <clears throat> other retail channels, that these guys have a shot. I, I do ultimately think it's going to fade, but there is something there, and like Jason said, there's a, a valuable franchise with selling all the books on the back end.
0: We got a great email. You can always email us, radio at com. Great email from William Hocutt in Birmingham, Alabama. He writes, could Barnes & Noble and Best Buy switch to some sort of membership model like Costco, to help them stay in business. Personally, I don't spend a lot of money at either place, but I like knowing I have the option of walking in their stores and seeing the actual merchandise, in Best Buy's case, or just browsing through Barnes & Noble. It seems like one of the ultimate services these companies are providing is that experience. So, is there any way for them to monetize this? I'd be willing to pay an annual membership, not as much as Costco's $55, but maybe somewhere in the range of $25 to $30. It's an interesting thought. I I think when we've talked about Costco in the past, Jason, and There is that experience. There is the value proposition. And certainly, Costco does an amazing job of retaining their members. I think that if they one of these companies was to go forward with this type of deal, that's what they really have to figure out, isn't it? What yeah. the membership experience would be or what you would be getting as a Barnes & Noble member or a Best Buy member beyond just sort of the normal, hey, you're a member, so you're going to get a 10% discount.
2: Yeah, and I think in regard to Barnes & Noble, uh, you know, this is where a first mover advantage comes into play here because Amazon's already beaten them to the punch there with Prime. Uh, Prime at $79 a year, you know, you're paying for that. And it's not only, you're you're not only getting the shipping option, but you're getting uh, free video streaming, free access to their Kindle lending library, which is tremendous at this point. It's only getting better. And so I think at this point, it would be very difficult to persuade consumers to say, hey, drop the prime membership and come on over and join the Barnes and Noble membership because it would be I think a little bit more one dimensional in comparison to something like like Amazon.
1: Now in regard to Best
2: Buy, I'm not sure.
1: Joe, what do you think? I don't think Best Buy could pull it off. I don't think they have enough repeat business to get people coming back in the order to validate it. Uh, Barnes and Noble, I'm pretty sure has some variation of this. I've actually been a member of Barnes and Noble at some point in the past with a book buying program that they've got, but I don't think you know, with Barnes and Noble I think they are trying to get as many people in the stores as possible. And then when you start putting a membership fee on there, you're starting to really risk that traffic. I think the way they continue to stay relevant in the physical world is by having the bookstores be a place where you go, you browse, it's leisurely, you have coffee, and they want as many people to experience that as possible.
2: Yeah, I think there is there is something to that. I mean, there's a romantic sort of nature to the bookstore that either as someone who grew up in that generation like we did, or if you have kids, you know the the, the joy in taking your kids into the bookstore, for example. Right. They love to go around for hours. That's a lot of fun to watch. And so, from that perspective, I do like knowing that there is a Barnes & Noble in our neighborhood where we Go. I mean, a lot of our books we do get from Amazon, uh, download them or our Kindles, but we also still buy physical books, and there's there's something there's still a market out there for that, and I think there always will be. It's just getting smaller.
0: So to wrap up on these two companies and these two stocks, as I mentioned, Best Buy hitting a nine-year low, uh, Barnes and Noble down slightly as of this taping. Uh, be, any interest in either of them? Are you gonna <laughs> pin us in a corner. I'm not gonna pin you in a it's corner, but I mean, or. I mean, uh, <laughs> to Jason's point about the the Best Buy is now in the proverbial special situation where, um, whereas Barnes and Noble maybe isn't that dire. I don't know. What do you think?
2: So I, I put it that there's someone out there that knows a lot more about what's going on with Best Buy than I do, and I guarantee you that you're not going to make any money on that one just because there there more people out there know more than than we do on that. So I, I would stay away from that one. Just You know, no no questions asked. Barnes and Noble is a little bit more of an interesting situation. It's not a special situation. It's it's fun to kind of follow to see how they're gonna how they're gonna stay competitive. I don't know that the stock really you know is that attractive to me at this
0: point. But you know, I mean, it's 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 worth following. I think it's interesting to follow, and you can learn from it. If nothing else, at least Barnes and Noble doesn't have the. Founder of the company out there saying value is eroding every <laughs> yeah. day.
1: I mean, yes, I would, for what it's worth, point. I'd take Barnes and Noble over Best Buy. They, I think the three hundred million that Microsoft pumped into Barnes and Noble for a share of the Nook franchise shows that there really is something of value there that people are willing to pay for. Yeah, and they're Investors are
2: willing. They're to going pay to be integrating it. that app into their into their Windows eight platform, I think. So it'll be interesting to see how that works out and if it you know plays into Microsoft's tablet at all. It'll be fun to watch.
0: So as a Microsoft shareholder, I should be rooting like hell for the Nook to just sell, get like gangbusters. Yeah, I actually thought that was a nice little move by Microsoft. Shares of Urban Outfitters up 17% this morning after second quarter profits came in higher than expected. The dashing Joe Mager. what what is going on at Urban Outfitters? Well, I think I have
1: worn this shirt about four times without washing it, so I think the <laughs> dashing line is very friendly. Um, you know, this gets back to <laughs> just. Good old fashioned improved merchandising. They got better in touch with their customer base, and that showed this quarter. Uh, Margins were better than expected because they didn't have to write things down as much as they have in the past. And you know, you put all that together and you get some pretty good results. (coughs) Um, I thought all that was great. And another thing I liked was hearing that they're going to be spending more of a focus online uh, and expanding their selection on the website. You know, some online clothing stores have been kind of reticent to include the full shopping experience online with the idea that it will keep people coming to the stores. I just want to buy everything you sell. <laughs> Please make it easy for me to buy things from you and so I'm happy to
0: hear that. Uh, I should point out that Urban Outfitters also owns Anthropology, which when you were talking about the margins improving, I, as someone who has wandered through Anthropology every once in a while with my oldest daughter. It doesn't surprise me that margins are improving because that really seems like an expensive <laughs> place. Uh, as I try and steer her out, um, but uh, Jason, this is uh, a little bit of a turnaround in that you had Richard Hay, in the co-founder of the company, he came back in January to take the helm. Urban Outfitters had been struggling for a little while, and uh, this really seems like it's working out well. His his return,
2: yeah, and you see that every once in a while. I mean, it, it didn't work out so well for Dell, but it worked out pretty well for, <laughs> for Starbucks. <Yahoo. laughs> and so I think you you see uh, there are certain leaders and founders of companies that have a grander vision, and uh, sometimes when they have the opportunity to get back in there and take the reins, uh, good things can happen.
0: Joe, I got to ask you about the stock because one of the things I read on Bloomberg today was that. For the recent success that Urban Outfitters has enjoyed, with that uh, comes the fact that the stock is now trading at more than twice the valuation of the broad S&P 500. It's higher than other retailers like Gap, Limited Brands, that sort of thing. What do you think of the stock? And, And just broadening it out, what do you think of retail in general? Because this really seems like a space that is just... I don't know. Changing it, quickly. Well, it just seems like it changes to the whims of young people. Yeah. And, and, and we hate young people. Uh, no, we don't hate young people, but that just seems like a really unpredictable space to be in, or yep. I should say more unpredictable than other industries.
1: Yeah, it is, and I agree. You know, on in terms of the broader question, I, I'm not a big fan of retail for those questions, or for those reasons, and especially fashion-centric retail. I mean, you just look at these guys they bring in someone to handle merchandising they put in new heads and it works out very well for them well that's fine and dandy but we've also seen Abercrombie uh, and Aeropostale just have very different fortunes over the last couple quarters and it just shows how fickle consumers are and how difficult it is to stay in touch with them and personally you know I don't think I have an edge with fashion and the ability to predict where that's going in a company's Ability to see that either. So it's just not really a space that I'm into. No
0: edge? I mean, Chris just called you dashing. Well, he's, you know, I mean, he shops at Bonobos and (laughs) hit places like that. Uh, Just to wrap up, in terms of Urban Outfitters stock, is it fairly valued? Is it a little rich right now for someone of your taste? Yeah, I mean, it's near a 52 week eye. I'd probably pass. Jason, what do you think? Yeah,
1: I tend to look at these types of retailers uh,
2: and make investments in them based on valuation. If I'm seeing something like a Tiffany or a Coach that's a little bit more timeless or more uh, universally accepted, that's where you can you can see companies building value over the long haul. But companies like Gap, uh, Aeropostale, Urban Outfitters,
0: I look at them just strictly on valuation, and this one's too expensive. We will end it there. Jason Moser, Joe Manger, guys, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so do buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. I should point out that our producer, Mac Greer, is on a much-deserved vacation this week. So, so Pull we'll it quali- him out of the cage. If, if, <laughs> if the quality is slipping, that's why. So, as Mac said at the end of last week's Motley Fool Money, save your hate meal. Mac will be back <laughs> next week. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.